Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. All right, so we're here with Chris Vandehoof uh, from Penn Lincoln Strategies. Uh, he's a you're a, would you would you call yourself a lobbyist? Absolutely. Like at I, Christmas parties, is that c- uncomfortable for you to say? It's not. Uh, there was a recent Gallup poll that had the 50 most respected professions in the world. Number one was nurse, which my mom has been a nurse for almost 50 years. Yeah. And last was lobbyist. So <laughs> right. We had, our family has a book ended. <laughs> So I'm comfortable with that okay. at Christmas parties when I tell people I'm a lobbyist, but my mom's also a nurse. Right, so that sort of offsets it a it little offsets bit. offsets it, right? It makes us feel better for the family. I mean, first of all, I just want to point out to people, um, you know, you you bid. This was a charity auction item for Camp Current, which is an incredible, I think it's the longest running free camp in America, something like that. And they do great work, and uh, we have them on all the time. And basically, they provide free camp for, for kids and uh, so thank you for doing that for Camp Current. And, of course, uh, they, you know, they have uh, their gala and a whole bunch of other things. We, we talk to them all the time. Uh, I want to ask you about Connecticut. So, I mean, you've been doing this. You've had your own business for just a couple of years, like six years or six, so. Yep, going six years, yep. And, and you worked sort of private sector for a little bit, but still in probably government relations. And you worked for a lobby firm before that. You know, for me, like I've been in New York, New Jersey, and Massachusetts, and Connecticut. It seems like in Connecticut, it just feels not in a negative way, but smaller. And just talk about the culture at the Capitol in terms of like, because it can go either way. It can be chummy, and that's a good thing. It can be chummy, and there's billions of dollars being sloshed around, and it, it can be a little weird. But what what what's the culture like at the Capitol? So I've worked in probably 25 different state capitals around the country. Uh, and I will tell you that, by and large, all of them are generally similar in the sense that your state capital uh, is is run, and uh, the elected people who are there in the the state house, the state senate, are uh, are there to do the right thing. And yeah, they may have disagreements on policies or how to get a, get to the right thing in the state, um, but it's not like Washington D.C. Not everything is toxic. Not everybody dislikes each other. Um, folks generally get along with one another. Certainly, there are disagreements that might blow up or. You might get, uh, you know, some pretty good heated arguments going. But at the end of the day, these folks, is a part-time job, right? They work, they're supposed to work from January to June. It certainly turns into more than that. Um, but they're all there with one common goal, I think, and that's to get Connecticut. Are you saying that because you have to service both sides and you're just doing that because that's, that's what you do? Or is that? No, I, I, I firmly believe that. I've also been a lobbyist for 20 years, so I'm pretty good at answering that question. <laughs> but um, No, but I do firmly believe that. Listen, I have friends on both sides of the aisle. I work with Republicans and Democrats alike. Uh, and I truly do believe that if you are going to take the time and the effort to run for office, to be in the state house, the state senate, be in one of the constitutional offices, uh, you have a, a, a true care and, and you want to do your civic duty for the state that you live in. Did it get more? I mean, listen, I'm not asking you to take sides on someone like Donald Trump, but did, the culture of politics, D.C., I have a lot of thoughts on D.C., but it, it did seem generally to become even more toxic. Did it, has it degraded a little bit in the last six years, or is it the same? Yeah, I, listen, if there's one thing you got to give Donald Trump credit for, he's the best marketer probably in the history of marketers. Um, and he turned that he turned the White House into marketing the Trump brand, and to say nothing of uh, any policies that he may have espoused. And so when you're uh, I think when you're you're trying to compete with somebody who's such a spectacular marketer, um, it's difficult to sit down and have a true policy conversation when their only goal is to, what can I put on Twitter? What can I get out on social media? What can I do in the in the news media? Um, and so it's difficult to have those discussions. And I think that really 
caused a divide between folks in D.C., whether they're Republicans or Democrats. But has that trickled down to Connecticut? You know, I haven't seen it much, uh, certainly a little bit. You know, there's certainly some folks in the Capitol who uh, don't like the other side of the aisle, whether Democrats or Republicans. But, um, you know, it's certainly not like it is in, in Washington, D.C. All right, so we have William Tong coming up at 7.50. What, what, what should I ask him? <laughs> uh, he's Listen, he had a really successful first first term. I think the, the first question I would ask him is, what are you going to do on your second act here? I mean, you know, between the Google stuff, the opioid settlements, et cetera, uh, the attorney general's done, I think, a really good job, and I'd love to hear what he's what he's up to. How do you, like, I mean, so. you know, Blumenthal sort of set the tone, just, I mean, just very litigious, right? I mean, just sued a lot of, you know, very Trumpian in that sense. Like, his volume was high, and it seems like that sets the tone for, for Tong a little bit, but that's generally what the AGs do, right? And I think if they're ambitious, let's just be honest, look what Maura Healy did in, in Massachusetts. She turned the attorney general to a 60% plus win for the governorship. So I don't know what Tong's ambitions are, but they may well be for governor. But it's sort of a way to stay in the news, but also do good. I mean, is that sort of the playbook for an attorney general in in America? Yeah, I guess so. You know, I mean, William started in the state house. He was chairman of the Judiciary Committee. He's an incredibly intelligent guy. He's very effective at what he does. Uh, you know, Senator Blumenthal, when he was attorney general, was a consumer protection first attorney general. I mean, everything that he did was taking on consumer protection issues. Um, you know, George Jepson followed that up the same way, a little less litigious probably, um, but along the same lines. And, and, you know, and William Tong, who's from Stanford, where George is from, and Dick Blumenthal's from uh, Greenwich, you know, maybe the, maybe Fairfield County just breeds really aggressive lot, attorney generals, right. attorneys general. <laughs> um, listen, you're a pretty uh, active Twitter guy. I mean, you at least from a consumption standpoint, if not a tweeting standpoint, right? I mean, is that your number one? What is your? How do you get your news? Uh, it's definitely Twitter. Uh, I don't love Twitter. Uh, in my world, though, uh, and if you follow me on Twitter, you'll notice it's more tweeting during Ohio State games and Bengals games Fun than stuff. anything else. Um, but you know, when you work in politics or you work in the news like you do, you know, the world of Twitter, for better or worse, provides content that you need to consume. Uh, and so in my job, it's a way for me to get a lot of information. But like, if you can, like, what do you, on your phone, like what, when you wake up in the morning, wh- where do you go first? Twitter. Twitter. Right. I don't, I'm not on Facebook. I got rid of Instagram. Uh, I don't really know what TikTok does, uh, or any of these other ones. Uh, so it's Twitter, you know, I, I peruse Twitter and does the, do the changes concern you? Sure. Um, I've already noticed some changes in terms of ads and timelines and, and, and the algorithms pushing me away from you know, sort of news or or politics that I want to follow and more into, you know, kind of aggressive online stuff that I'm less interested in. I really, you know, I follow I follow you. I follow the, the Capitol Press Corps. I follow legislators. I follow staff. I follow the folks that I have to work with on a day-to-day basis. Um, and I'm finding that the algorithms and why I certainly don't understand how it all works. You mean in terms of like stuff isn't really as chronological as it used to be? Certainly. Definitely not. Yeah. You find, I find that I refresh it, and then there's 17 hours old, especially with the sports stuff. It's like I'm getting NFL stuff 22 hours, like on Monday, and it drives me crazy. There's nothing more frustrating for me than waking up on Tuesday morning or Monday morning because I can't stay up until the end of these Sunday night, Monday night NFL games. Uh, and waking up, and all I want to do is find the highlights for the end of the game, or I want to find you know a quick version of the highlights or even the score. And the timeline is what happened 20 hours ago, yeah. 17 hours ago, to your point. Is Jamar Chase coming back? He's my receiver. I'm, you know, I'm I, dying a slow death in fantasy. I keep popping up in his DMs. He's not responding to he me. Does. <laughs> I love the pro athletes have open DMs. Open though. DMs, right? But, I mean, I got Jackie Bradley Jr. He he responded to me like every time. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. No, I listen, I, I, I follow a lot of Bengals uh, press folks. Uh, as of yesterday, he was still on crutches. So that doesn't seem good. They've already ruled him out for this weekend against the Steelers, hoping to get him back next week. So the Bengals have to make a run. Oh man, I I, I go. I was a Ken Anderson fan. Oh, yeah, love that. And I, because I, you know, I was like the only person to cheer for the Bengals when they played the 49ers. Even the Boomer Super Bowl was I was into. For some reason, I latched on to the Bengals. I don't long. I'm no longer latched on to the Bengals, but I was into them at last season as well. You know, joining us here is Chris Vandehoff. Uh, from Penn Lincoln Strategies, he'll be with us till till nine o'clock. We'll talk with Lon Seidman of Lon TV at eight twenty, and and you know Lon, and he's got a great YouTube channel. We'll talk about Twitter because he was like, like for me, like in the media, they they slap the blue check on you very early, even when you don't have critical mass. And sometimes I noticed when we launched the station in Boston, the NBC station, the news director went out and negotiated blue check marks for the whole reporting staff. Sure. So and but Lon couldn't get one. Mm. 
And so he got he was psyched for the eight bucks. And I'm just curious about what he feels now. They sort of suspended it, and it just seems like. And man, imagine working for Elon Musk. He, there's another story that he sent out at midnight last night. A letter to all employees, like if you don't, if you don't bust your hump, I'm gonna fire you. I mean, have you have you had a pants on fire job? Where, like, if you don't perform on a daily basis, you felt like you were in jeopardy. Have you ever had that kind of job? I mean, probably not realistically in jeopardy, but certainly what I do now feels like that sometimes. As but you're your own boss. And so yeah, it's... But I'm only my own boss so many as, as I have clients in the door, right? And so if I'm not performing for the clients, then sure, I don't, I'm not my own boss anymore of anything that's going to pay me. So your pants on fire because you have to earn a living and it's up to you. Right. But on the Twitter thing, I'm interested because I saw something the other day, and I, who knows if it's real or not, back to the this Twitter work anymore that elon musk fired somebody on twitter who works for him at twitter now i don't know if that's true because who knows what's real and what's what's not real real and not real on these things but i listen the guy certainly is an intelligent guy i think that once you you amass the amount of money he's amassed and you're the wealthiest man in the world um you know now i saw in the news this morning or last night there's eight billion people in the world and he's the richest one right uh i suspect that sets you up to be a little bit of a different human being yeah and he's a genius i worry about twitter because it is my by far number one source of information and there's just a lot of a lot of noise and i just maybe i have to re-filter what i follow and just you know like tighten it up i don't know we got to take a break here food truck tommy's waiting outside for breakfast uh part of the five-star treatment you will have here at WTIC News Talk 1080. All right, we're chit-chatting. Listen, the one thing that might not be, you know, appealing to the general audience, but, you know, we both have children, and, and Matt is a big child, and we, the the trading card business is just an unbelievable business, and I never thought that they would reinvent themselves to have real value. I thought after the digital era, baseball cards went down, I thought this stuff was dead, and, and, I don't know how big the business is. And I talked to the guy who represents Panini and like, you know, back in the day, he'd be like, oh, I'll send you a bunch of stuff. Like, then this is like, I can't get my hands on anything. Right. I mean, you do it yourself, right? Well, I don't know if I do it myself. I mean. But you do it with your son? Yeah, my son, Jake, and I, we, we, we love opening up stuff and ripping stuff. You just sent me a picture of a box. We already ordered that box. We're going to. You did already order that? Open that up and whenever it shows up in a couple of weeks. Um it's a lot of fun. I mean, listen, I collected cards when I was a kid. I think you probably did too. And the problem with cards when we were younger is that they made 10, 20 million of a set. And so, right. you know, you had a really good player in the 80s or 90s, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, whatever it is, whose rookie card isn't worth anything today because there were 10 million of them produced. Now they're managing production, right? And they're creating a, a sort of a level of scarcity that makes getting some of these cards exciting and they're actually rare and worth something. You know, it's funny though. Like, like, and I've I've now been following it for like this is my probably third full year of like, because my kids they want money. Like, Dad, how can I make money? Like, what can I do? I was like, well, your work ethic is terrible. Like, what what do you want to do? Like, you want to rake the leaves, and they want money to buy this stuff. And I feel like they put out fewer and fewer cards. I mean, you have to buy like this box you're talking about is like sixty bucks for like forty something cards. Yeah. And you might find nothing in that 40-something cards that has any value. You might have something that's value, but you might end up with nothing. I mean, the you know the odds of you finding something in there are pretty good. Um, but you're right. I mean, it's a little bit of a crapshoot. It's a little bit of a gamble, uh, which makes it even more fun when you pull out something that's really cool. So do you think it's – like, do you think you're ahead? Like, do you think, like, you've profited? Uh, well, I haven't sold enough of them to figure that out yet. Uh, you know, my son pulled a, a, this Aaron Judge card that's supposedly worth all of this money. So he does all sports. My kids do football exclusively. We started on football, then we got into baseball, and we've migrated over to basketball. But he pulled this Aaron Judge card at the height of the Aaron Judge home run race, and I was all ready to throw it on eBay and, and buy a vacation house. <laughs> and the look on his face when I told him we were going to sell it, you know, was a hard no, Dad. This is the coolest card I've ever seen. And so the Aaron Judge card still sits in our house, and now the Aaron Judge market is no longer. Now let me just—it's no longer what it was at that moment, right? Well, it's baseball season's done, so whatever's in front of us. It's my last question on this because most people don't care, but I do. Um, do you get upgraded? So we started because that costs the, a lot of money. So the, the the cost of getting graded has come down significantly in the last few months because there's more companies doing it now, and so yeah, we've started sending some in to get graded, and we're in the process now, and have some. 
some friends who have uh, who have asked us to send some cards in as well. I think you know Dan Tapper. He's given me some cards. Oh, he does really. Yeah, uh, he another... hasn't given Dan has not given me any cards. Well, you don't not getting him graded. You got to go get him graded. Another good friend, uh, Bobby Butterfield's given me some cards. So um, you know we're 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 sending them down. It sounds like uh, you like it just as much as as it's as a your, great time. As your son, I do. Son does. Uh, his he's Chris Vanderhoof uh, with Penn Lincoln Strategies here joining us uh, until nine o'clock here on Brian and Company and WTSC News Talk Today. The other thing is I'm a bit of a data obsessed guy. Is that a whoop? It's a whoop. Yep. Yeah. And and you know I have I, I'm a I'm not an Apple Watch guy. I had a what, what do they call Fitbit. Uh, yeah, I, the, like the Versa watch I had for a while. And in fact, I broke two of them, so I'm on a hiatus because I can't justify just keep rebuying it. Um, I think the last time I lost one, I jumped off like a cliff at a quarry in Vermont and it fell off when I jumped. We should talk more about that. About the jump? Yeah. Yeah, it was an interesting. First of all, I don't know about you, is your appetite for risk still what it was? It's It gets lower by the day. I was, it was only like 20 feet, maybe. It wasn't like 40 or 50. And, and it was a, it took me a little bit to get it, get the stones. Yeah, Twenty feet's a pretty good fall. Yeah, and we had one buddy of ours, and I will leave him nameless. And I think he's already at work, and I don't think he listens. But uh, he wouldn't do it. Yeah, he wouldn't jump. Did he get to the end and then like back off? Um, he took his shirt off, took his shoes off, was walking back and forth, and then just said no. And this is a guy who was like a D one athlete, super talented guy, and just couldn't. Do it, and I feel like a lot of us, like twenty years ago, could, but, and so it, I was legitimate. But like, I have one friend who's like forty three. I mean, you're younger than me. He was doing backflips. I'm like, that's yeah. listen. Not- I'm forty three. I'm not. I can't do a backflip from anything. When you were twenty two, at least not on purpose, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> but do you? So Whoop is one of people don't know the company. It was actually founded in, in Boston, I believe, as a tech startup, and they do a lot of heavy data, and it's really intense, cool stuff. My biggest problem is that there's no display. Right. I don't like. Why can't they make something? What? Why is that the case? Like, why can't they have a display? To be honest, that's what I like about it. Why? Because you don't I'm get the real time feedback. So I had an Apple Watch forever. I actually, like real watches, but I like having the data of heart rate and all that stuff. And what the Whoop is best at, to be honest, is is the sleep tracking. The sleep tracking is really tremendous. I can see and know when I'm sleeping well, not sleeping well. It's really been. Do you, uh, are you like a go get eight hour guy? Because I'm like five and a half. Tops. Well, you have to get up at three o'clock, and you just got a meatball sub from <laughs> from food truck from Tommy. Food truck Tommy out there. Um, yeah, I'm gonna die soon. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I like to get my eight hours of sleep, you know. But uh, it's just an interesting way to track my sleep. I need to get. More. How did you? I mean, always, I can't imagine getting eight hours of sleep without great. being medicated. Let's talk quickly to the attorney general for the state of Connecticut. Uh, just one re-election and also at a big announcement of a settlement with Google. Uh, Attorney General William Tong, good morning, sir. Good morning, Brian. Back to work. Yeah, back to work. And we have Chris Vandehoof here as well. Uh, and I know... Uh, hey, Chris, how are you? Good morning, Attorney General. How are you today? Good. Good morning. Hey, so can you just... Uh, maybe not everybody knows about this most recent settlement. Can you just talk about what it is, uh, what Connecticut gets, and and what it means? Sure, two big ones in the last couple of days, but you're asking about Google. So, um, so many of us use Google services, whether you have an Android phone or not, um, whether you use Gmail or not, right? We use um, uh, Google Docs, Google Sheets, um, Google Maps, Google Search. And, and so when, when you have a Google device, um, there's a setting called location history, and the default is that it's off. And so most of us lay people who aren't, I mean, I use my phone and computer, but I'm not the most tech savvy person on earth. You assume that if it's off or you shut it off, that that means your device is no longer tracking where you are, right, at any one time. And the thing about these devices and, and location uh, capabilities is that they can pinpoint exactly where you are, right? They know that you're in your studio right now. They know that Chris Vandehoof is in the studio and later when he goes to fill up his, you know, his car that he's standing at pump number four at the mobile, right, in, in Wethersfield. And so they know precisely where you are. The problem is, is that even if location history was off, there's another setting called web and apps. That default, that default was that it was on, is, is on. And, and you don't have um, um, the ability to turn that 
off by default, it is on. And many people didn't think that it was on because they turned location history off. And so, in fact, Google was still tracking you, even though you thought you'd turn the settings off. And that was a big problem, a huge invasion of privacy. William, a question on that is, how, do you, how does that come to you? How Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. How do you find out about, about this? I'm a pretty tech-savvy phone user, I think. I have no idea how to get that deep into the phone to turn it off or turn it yeah. on. Or I can't even do it. How does that show up on your desk and your radar to tackle that? So thank you to the AP. Um, the AP did a story in 2018, I think, and that that got the attention of attorneys general, including Connecticut. How does it end up in, in Connecticut's lap? Well, uh, George Jepson was the first attorney general in this country to focus on privacy and to create a dedicated privacy section in our office. So, so on many privacy issues and on data breaches, Connecticut is often in the lead among the states. Um, we're, we're often called on uh, to deal with these big issues. This is the largest privacy settlement in our nation's history. Okay, so, you know, talk about, I mean, this is really process. I'm glad Chris asked that because process is important. So you see the story, you investigate it. Do you, do you go to the company first? Do you go to other states' attorneys general to see if they want to to team up with you? What What's the yeah. next step? It, it, happens, it happens in different ways, as you can imagine, depending on how the problem hits you. But in this case, um, what, what generally happens in a situation like this is we read about it, we get a complaint from a constituent. Sometimes we encounter this problem ourselves, right? We're regular people too. So um, in this case, it was a news story. And, and, and then we start talking amongst ourselves. As you know, I spend a lot of time with my colleagues, just, not just on this issue, but um, we also announced yesterday a $3.1 billion settlement with Walmart over the opioid and addiction crisis. Hmm. So we spend a lot of time meeting, talking to each other, and that's when we start building a coalition. And Chris um, worked with me when I was in the legislature, and, and this is where my legislative experience really comes in handy. I know how to, I know how to count. I know how to build a vote count. I know how to build a majority. And so I start reaching out to my colleagues, Democrats and Republicans, this is a 40-state coalition, so of course it includes both Democrats and Republicans. And, and we start building a team. And then uh, we go out to the company and say, hey, you've got a problem. Sometimes that includes um, a letter or a, a phone call or a meeting at the outset if we're really just trying to get information. But sometimes it, it's obviously so bad on its face that we start with what's known as a CID, a civil investigative demand um, or what we would call a subpoena. And then, and that starts the investigation and then, and then that may follow a lawsuit and, um, and trial activity. And then sometimes we go to trial and sometimes we settle. Yeah. We're talking with William Tong, attorney general here on Brian and company, along with Chris Vandehoef uh, from Penn Lincoln strategies. I have one quick question on this and then I want to save, we only have like three minutes, but I want to get to this yeah. last question. The, the, I think, what is it? Uh, 
six million or so coming to Connecticut in this settlement yeah, with Google? Yeah, almost seven. Yeah. And what, what's yeah. what is it? I'm always fat, curious. Where's it go? So those are <laughs> fines and penalties. There's also a um, there's also a class action for consumers in California where they're collecting direct relief for consumers, and so people can participate in that. Most of the time, um, in cases like this, the law directs that these are fines and penalties um, that go to the state. In some cases, like in opioids, my settlement agreement says explicitly that uh, 85% of the money has to go to treatment prevention and addiction science, what we call abatement. It depends. Um, right. You know, the challenge, of course, is $391 million is a lot of money, yeah. but you've got to split that up. 56 ways between states, territories, and the district. Once you split it up, it's about $7 million to us. And if you split that up, you know, between all three, uh, you know, 3 million people in Connecticut, that doesn't end up being very much money. Sure. And, and so the way the law deals with it is that it goes to the state, and the state hopefully will deploy that to continuing to protect people from privacy violations and we have a very strong privacy law. It just got stronger in the past year, um, and we'll continue to do this work. We, we only have about a minute here, less than a minute. Anything crypto-related coming across your desk? Um, we're focused on it. I don't have anything specific to announce, but I can tell you that attorneys general are very concerned about crypto, about both what we call now the, the good use cases for crypto and also the bad use cases for crypto. We're very concerned about Consumers not being protected, losing a ton of money. We're concerned about crypto being used for scams and criminal activity. So lots of discussion among state attorneys general. All right. Attorney General William Tong, uh, congratulations on earning another term. Thank you. And Thank uh, you. we look forward to talking to you much more down the road. Same here. Talk to you soon. See you soon. William Tong, about five, ten seconds. I mean, that that experience in, in the... You know, like whipping up votes and stuff like that. Is that intense at the state level like it is in D.C.? Uh, absolutely. Uh, probably more intense because everybody's in one place at one time, generally speaking. And so you are you can literally work room to room. Uh, we call it working the rope. You can work legislator to legislator as they're walking by counting your votes. Yeah. Next, uh, I want to ask you about the pandemic because I know it was so tough for you to do your work and whether it's back to normal. Uh, your time is 8-11. Thank you, Bob. Appreciate that. Uh, we're here with Chris Vandehoef. From Penn Lincoln Strategies, uh, obviously, he, he bought his way in here. I wouldn't invite him in on his own. <laughs> uh, he won this. At, was it at the gala for Camp Current? It was. So I, I had the opportunity to do this a couple of years ago, right before COVID, with uh, Ray and Joe D. That uh, must have been fun. It was a blast. Came in with a friend of mine, John Healy. We sat here for an hour, and we we talked sports and politics, just like you and I are doing. And uh, with the, the pandemic and everything that happened over the last couple of years, uh, it wasn't available, and it was available this year. And listen, I mean— you will spend any amount of money to hang with Brian Shackman for a I couple mean, hours, it, right? So it's one of those, you know, Mastercard priceless kind of, or whatever. Uh, yeah, and so you know, so I was happy to do it. Uh, big supporter of Camp Current. Uh, they do amazing stuff. Free camp in the summer, not too far from here, actually, right up the road. Uh, it's Coriander the oldest the, and largest free summer day camp in the country. How awesome is that? And it's two miles from here. Um, so Corianne, the executive director over there, uh, is doing. Great stuff, and uh, any chance I can to, to help her in their mission, I'm happy to do it. Yeah, one thing I noticed about, and you know, I, I worked with your wife at NBC Connecticut. Connecticut nonprofits are really good. And I've been, again, like I, my joke about New York is, you know, people in my business, the community service is going to a black tie. I mean, they do nothing with their hands dirty, right? And Boston was okay, but it's... But I find Connecticut, the nonprofits do a great job, and the, the people either in power or in the media do a lot of work. I mean, it's a really good – you see the same folks in all this stuff. Yeah, I would say that the difference maybe is between – you know, Connecticut's a small state, right? And we're – it is – well, it's 3.5 million people. It's a community. And so, you know, everybody in the state knows somebody who works at a nonprofit or has been benefited by one of these nonprofits, whether they're in power or they're – uh, you know, just down the street. And so, you know, uh, to the extent that we can keep them going and help them out, I think is great. And to hang out with you is a nice bonus. You know, for me, I, I remember when I when I started off in TV, I was like, I want to pick one or two things and I really want to focus on it. So when I was in Connecticut, I really focused on the Special Olympics. Where they do a great job with, great with Doherty. Yeah, great and then in Boston, it was with a couple. Uh, I usually pick like two. Like when you start off as a, as a business owner, you like, 
I want to have a couple of causes and make them sort of my own, or do you just go with whatever comes your way? Yeah, no, that's a good question. You know, I I try to do whatever we can as it's related to to kids, right? And and Camp Current is their mission is is exactly in line with what I think is important. That's giving kids something to do in the summer. It's giving right. them a, a learning experience. It's, you know, getting them into out into nature, and 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 it really is a, a positive experience. And I've been over to the camp. It's a it's a beautiful setting. Uh, it's a great spot. You know, we'll say I, what I want to ask you. We'll have another stretch at eight forty to talk, and I, I'm just curious. You know, since your wife was involved in journalism for a while, and I, I have, you know, Connecticut journalism has, you know, I think like I was talking to Dan Har yesterday. I, I mean, I like CT Insider. It's been a good. I think it's been a good thing in a lot of ways. But there is an erosion of like the micro community journalism, and I'm just I we'll put a pin in it. But just think about, you know, you've been in Connecticut now for how many years? Twenty one. I'm curious as to how it's changed and how you view it and, and think about it. And we'll talk about that at 840. Sure. We have Lon Seidman from Lon.TV to talk about Twitter and uh, the Artemis launch as well and a bunch of other stuff. I don't want to waste any more time uh, because it's always good to talk to Lon Seidman from Lon.TV uh, along with Chris Vandehoff from Penlink and Strategy. And you guys know you know each other? I do. Know yes, Lon. I do. Yeah. <laughs> Lon, good to hear you. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. So uh, I'll get to the Artemis launch in a little bit. I mean, last we left in the, the, the days of our lives with Lon Seidman, he was forever longing for a blue check, and it was unrequited love with the blue check. And then he, then he went to the dark side. He went to Amsterdam and paid for the blue check. <laughs> and, and so where is the love affair with the blue check today? Well, there's good news and bad news. The good news is that I got the blue check by paying for it, eight bucks. Um, the bad news is that last night when I uploaded a video of the rocket launch, Twitter thought it was a intimate media piece of work and blocked me for 12 hours. So I am off. I don't understand. Right what is now. it? They thought it was porn? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and I can't get my account back. Because it, <laughs> it just said rocket and launch and they thought it was porn? <laughs> I think that combined with uh, maybe some imagery that, you know, have some... Uh, perhaps uh, Freudian uh, similarities. Like blasting yeah. off? Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, my gosh. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm not a fan right now of, of the blue check mark. <laughs> but for a short time, like my, my analytics were actually uh, up considerably. About you know, I was seeing about almost uh, 85% more impressions. Just because uh, they before. prioritize your account more? I think so, or perhaps it, it got in front of more people who, you know, because normally a lot of the blue check people filter out the unverified people. So I think there there was definitely some lift there, um, and I was eager to check it out again before today's call, but um, I can't get in. <laughs> well, let me just so you can't even access your account right now. No, I'm, I'm I'm locked out for another eight hours. I'm in jail. And are you and have you been in any direct contact with anyone at Twitter? Or is there any email exchange? How do you rectify it? Yeah, you know, you really can't. I you know I, I logged into one of my other accounts and just tweeted to uh, their support and to Elon Musk himself, but uh, no no go yet. So I'm uh, hoping perhaps uh, maybe he, he fired that department, <laughs> but I'm waiting for uh, somebody to help me up. Otherwise, it'll just kind of uh, end in eight hours, and I'll just have this little mark on my on my account for a little bit. Well, let me ask you. I mean, for me, you know, there's a lot of people. The Eli Lilly insulin story sort of was the sort of the backbreaker for a lot of people. Politically, I'm not just going to quit because I think somebody's trying to, you know, foment this or that. I mean, to me, it's my number one source of news. Outside of your blue checkmark fiasco, and by the way, is it eight dollars a month or a one-time eight dollar? It's eight dollars a month. Okay, it's it, it's a yeah, it's, a, it's up there with a, as a premium subscription for what it is. And so, have you noticed outside of that anything different, better, or worse? And and what's your sense of what Musk is trying to do? So my sense of what he's trying to do is that you know he's he's not a fan of of the quote unquote mass media. Um, I would imagine it's probably more individuals within it as opposed to the entire block. Um, but I, I think what he's trying to do is give more voices opportunities to be lifted. And you know, we talked a little bit about this last time in that um, Twitter has been an amplification uh, tool, but it hasn't really had the reach that TikTok and YouTube and Instagram have all experienced. And I think the difference is that. Twitter makes it very difficult for somebody to come onto the platform and be discovered. You know, it's really for people who already kind of know each other. Um, and, I, and I think that's kind of what he's after um, because the, the company had been 
in, in, at running at a net loss, uh, I think, 10 out of the last 12 years. So there was significant issues. They were, you know, I think, easily a billion dollars uh, in the hole uh, when he took it over. So it, it was not moving in any direction, partly because I don't think there was any growth opportunity for users. Lon, uh, it, it's Chris. Um, you and I are changing, changing sort of the angle here. You and I are similar age. Uh, I remember as a kid, my mom waking me up at 4 o'clock in the morning to watch the shuttle launch on TV, and it was super exciting. And I was trying to do similar with uh, our oldest son on the Artemis launch, and they got scrubbed, I guess, probably a month or two ago now. Mm. They finally were able to launch it last night, much to the chagrin of your Twitter account. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but nevertheless, can you talk briefly about that? I'm fascinated by it. I think it's really cool. I think that the idea of space exploration, going back to the moon, uh, is a galvanizing thing for the country to do, uh, and I'm I'm fascinated by it, and, and happy they were able to to get the launch off the ground. Yeah, it was a, it was an amazing experience. I'm glad we finally got to see it. I've been down here twice for both of the scrubs. Oh, so you, you went down there to see it? Oh yeah, yeah. I was I was on site. Finally got to see got to see it. Haven't I've had about two hours of sleep, but uh, it was it was remarkable. And it's you know what was most exciting was that once they got all these fuel leak issues out of the way, the systems worked perfectly. Um, so a lot, there were a lot of folks who were doubtful they would actually get past the 30-second mark, um, you know, when everything really has to come alive. And so, you know, they've, they've certainly learned a lot about, you know, the, their, their systems. And a lot of the systems on this new rocket are from the space shuttle era, but obviously, you know, scaled up and, and enhanced for uh, modern technology here. So it's, uh, it's a great day. I think um, we're, we're at a point where we're finally getting the future, Chris, that you and I were promised as kids. Um, and and just, just to see the amount of development around the Space Center from for commercial space flight. It's not just SpaceX. It's Blue Origin. There's other companies that are coming in. Um, so there's, there's just a tremendous amount of activity. And I think we're going to uh, see a lot going on over the next five years. Well, I, I want to ask you, because I was always sort of scratching my head that, you know, and I I listen to a great podcast called 13 Minutes of the Moon from the BBC, which is just an incredible story of the last few minutes before uh, they touched down on the moon for the first time. And I'm just sort of, I was sort of, I think I was confused as to why in 69 with such rudimentary computer systems, we could get to the moon, but now it's so hard and it takes so much time. And I, I guess I, I, I don't really understand that. But what I want to ask you is that, how do you, does the Artemis, how does this rocket that just went up compare in power to the one that launched in 1969? So even in its initial configuration here, it is, it is more powerful in the sense that it can lift more weight to the moon. So it, 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 doesn't, it didn't sound any, any louder perhaps than the space shuttle did, but because it has you know, the, the capacity to carry the load, um, it is technically more powerful. And they're going to be upsizing it as as they continue developing the rocket and, and building new missions for it. But the the uh, interesting thing is that if you look at their launch pad and then just turn a little bit to another one right next to it, SpaceX is building up their enormous rocket as well, um, which will rival it. And it will be a lot cheaper to operate because everything you saw lift off the ground has already been trashed in the ocean today. Right, and, and, and SpaceX has a lot of recyclable stuff, right? That's their yeah. Well, that's their plan is to have a fully recyclable rocket that can come back right back to where it started and refueled and sent back up in a very short period of time. That's that's what they're aiming for. And, and NASA has invested in it, so it's it's going to happen one way or the other. Really quick, uh, two, one last moon question, and then I have a Twitter question to end on. When are we going to go? Like when when are we going to get that moment when somebody sets foot on the moon? So I would say about two and a half, three years. So and that, a lot of it rests on SpaceX getting a lander ready. But yeah. Okay. I think it's I think I think we're close. So relatively quick. And the other Twitter question, you know, uh Chris and I were you know, our chronology on our Twitter feed is is out of whack. And is there a way I mean I've heard is there a way to change that where we can go with strict chronology yes. on our feed and yes, how, how do you do that? So on Twitter there's a little star thing towards the upper right hand corner of the screen. Hold on. It yep. And if you tap on that, it'll it'll. And I can't I can't walk you through it because my account is locked out. <laughs> but, so the, yeah. So the latest tweets show up as they happen, and it says, "Go, right. go back home. You'll see the top tweets first. I just did it. Right. Amazing. That's it. That's and now it. you now you have a fire hose again. 
Lon, I look forward to seeing your pictures of the uh, Artemis launch on Twitter in about. Well, 10 and they hours. sound like they're more provocative than maybe they should have been. <laughs> yeah, apparently, <laughs> maybe maybe that's a new new. Uh, maybe I can find some revenue that way. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> but I will say that the the the, the content and the YouTubishness of it, there people are a little concerned about that side of things on Twitter moving forward. So, um, I guess uh, you get caught in the. <laughs> In the crosshairs. Lon, listen, go to lon.tv on YouTube. It's awesome. I mean, he does everything there. I mean, from how-tos to the stuff we're talking about. So um, we love talking to you, Lon. Thank you. Hey, I love being on. Thanks for having me. All right, lon.tv. Lon Lon Seidman here with Chris Vandehoff. All right, back here with Chris Vandehoff from Penn Lincoln Strategies here on Brian & Company. The the real reason, you know, Chris and I know each other for a long time, and but the real reason he's here, although you can come back for free another time, I'll just let you know. That's awesome. I'd love to do it. This has been a good time. But you're here because you you won it at auction uh, at a uh, fundraiser for Camp Current, and they have something coming up. They do, uh, and their executive director Corianne, who's fantastic. She's but, been on the show many times. Yeah, yeah, she's great. She but she you know she runs a tight ship. So if I didn't plug this event right now, uh, the the price for being on this next time would have probably doubled. <laughs> Uh, on uh, November 28th, they yeah. are, the Camp Curran is having their Giving Tuesday celebration a day early, which because it's on a Monday. You and I were talking about uh, beer off uh, during a break. Yes, we were. Illicit Brewing in Manchester, which is a very good beer. Yes, it is. Uh, and a really cool place if you've never been to it. It's an awesome uh, brewery. From 6 to 9, November 28th, um, uh, celebrity bartender, one of your colleagues in radio, Renee Danino, is going to be there hosting nice. it. We've got to get you to host one of these things, I mean, Brian. I'm, I'm available. Uh, and for a measly $10 donation, which goes directly to the camp, uh, you receive discounted food and drinks, uh, get to hang out with uh, folks from Camp Current uh, and and people like myself who are going to be 10 there. Just 10 bucks. 10 bucks. Come on over. I'll buy you a beer. I definitely – they have some good – I'm looking at their beers now. Yeah, listen, it's awesome. And the, and the brewery they have over there is just a beautiful space, too. How about this for a name? The botched facelift cranberry blood orange sour. Good. Imagine you and I standing at the bar having two of those. I would, I would do that. <laughs> so that's on the twenty eighth. The twenty eighth, Monday, the twenty eighth, from uh, six to nine p.m. Uh, for ten bucks, which all goes to Camp Current. Come on over and and have a beer with some good names. The us. helicopter dad. I'll be a monkey's dunkle. That's really good. That's a good name. Uh, that's really good stuff. Yeah, it's a great spot. Uh, and the great thing about it is the money, as I said, goes all to Camp Current. So and it's at their brew their brewery, Alyssa Brewing in Manchester. In that's Man- right. Oh, Manchester's right. It's easy for me. Yeah, let's go, Matt. You want to go? Come on, Matt. I, 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 we'll talk cards. Yeah, we'll talk. I mean, he'd love to do that. I have uh, CPR training earlier in the day and hockey practice, but I think I could definitely make it. I'm a JV hockey coach. Is the hockey are you playing or are you no, coaching? No, I coach. You did play the though. Ass- I did not very well, but yes, I'm the assistant JV hockey coach. Assistant which, JV hockey yes, coach. Which, by the way, is one of the best jobs in America. I mean, it is like the best job in America. We quick, quickly, I want to ask you because we're again we're tight on time. Uh, journalism, you know, uh, there's a lot of stories about the lack of m- municipal level journalism really can leave a lot of local power unchecked. We have The Current, which is owned by Alden Capital, and some great journalists have left it. There are still some great journalists there. But you have Hearst that's really come in and invested, too. So I'm just wondering, you know, how do you view the landscape here in Connecticut? Yeah, I think that from a political standpoint, the the folks who are at the Capitol do a tremendous job, right? And then the question comes, how do you get that information out into the communities? Because to your point, the print, the print newspaper is it still exists, but it's certainly down from where it was. And there's still a lot ago. of people who don't follow Twitter. Da, 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 people da. don't follow Twitter, so where do people get their news from? You know, you're seeing a lot of uh, uh, communities have pop-up news. Uh, you know, weha.com is is a really popular way to get news about West Hartford. Do people actually look West at Hartford. it? Oh yeah, uh, we look at it. I look at it every day. Um, you know, and so I I think if you're if you're engaged online, there are ways to find. Uh, local news about what's happening in your town or your city. The problem with that is if you're online, you can also find news that isn't real news. Um, and that's how people fall down the rabbit hole of spiraling into this world of everything's a conspiracy. And so, you know, delineating what, what is actually fact out there and is applies to your community or your neighborhood or your town or city uh, is, a, is a difficult thing. Where it used to be if the newspaper showed up on your front door, that was the news of the day. And if they made a mistake, the next day there would be a a note in the paper that, oops, we messed up yesterday. Right. Although as a kid, you couldn't pick political bias up too much when you're little. But even newspapers have certain biases, but not necessarily in terms of facts, more in terms of placement and, and some other stuff. we got to take a quick break here with, with Chris Vandehoof from 
Penn Lincoln Strategies here on Brian and Company. It is 8.52. <laughs> that was half-hot mic there, Chris. We didn't get it all on the air. We're talking a little um, uh, FanDuel. I, I basically, Robinhood and FanDuel are like the same thing. That's my point. Like, for me, like, and I'm talking about Target shares are down 15 bucks. And I'm like, buy the dip. And I'm like, it's just like betting. I mean, it's just like talking about betting on FanDuel. It's like the same thing. Yeah, except with FanDuel, you can at least watch something happen on the weekend. That's true. I, mean, I suppose true. after this, we could drive over and just look at Target. But that, no, or buy something there. I just bought those cards. So you I did? just contributed. Yes, I did. Well, you said you did. Yeah. And I'm like, we got the holidays coming up. Film the break. I, I let them take care of it. My son loves that stuff. And they copy how the other, all the other people of do course, it. It's, it's really, really funny. Uh, let's bring in uh, Jim Balcom. Of course, the Manchester Road Race coming up. I got to get my registration in, Jim. I'm, I'm, I'm running it. Um, last year was so much fun. And obviously, the pandemic was so difficult. And you obviously are the race director at the Manchester Road Race. Where are we? I mean, are we going to be 10,000 plus for this one? Well, at the moment, we're somewhere in the area of 8,500 registered runners, and that's what we're looking at. We're looking at another 1,500 to 2,000 people. So my estimation, it's the Jim Balcom estimation, is that we're going to be somewhere in the area of 9,000 to 10,000 registered runners. And the way I I perceive it is at 10 o'clock on Main Street in Manchester on Thanksgiving, I'll be firing the gun at exactly 10 a.m., and at that time, there will be 10,000 of my closest friends will begin the process of circumambulating the Manchester Road Race course. Circumambulating. <laughs> what does that – does that mean a loop? <laughs> it's the loop. It is. It's okay. a point. It, it, as you know, it's a 4.7, 4, 8, 8.4 loop that we have – uh, we've been running that loop for this will be the 86th year that we're we're running the Manchester Road Race. Now, keep in mind, I have not been there for all 86 years, but I have been there for 40 plus years. Yeah, and 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 we're, and we're looking forward to a, a nice day. Uh, the projection that I'm I'm looking at, and I hope it's correct, is that the weather's going to be cooperating, probably in the 40 to 40. 45 degree range with a little with a little bit of sun so we don't have to deal with this impending weather of snow and and rain and all the sleet and all those kinds of things that we've experienced over the years well last year was beautiful right it it was it was beautiful and and i hope to replicate the same kind of a weather pattern Um, i'm i'm looking forward to a terrific race coming up so I'm, i'm curious you've been doing it for a couple of decades how did last year feel? You know, uh, uh, good. It, it, it. Just a few minutes ago, you mentioned that that awesome negative word, the pandemic. Um, and, and you know, a couple of years ago, we we canceled the race and we had a virtual race where we had uh, two thousand five hundred people participate in our virtual race. La- last year, uh, we were somewhere in the area of eight thousand people, and pe- the the fears of, of the closeness of, of people at the race seems to be subsiding and there really is a real upbeat of activity surrounding this year's race so uh, we'll be back up norm our normal uh, our registration numbers are in the 10 to 12,000 range so we're coming back up the ladder we'll be approaching that either this year and or for sure next year we'll be up in that area now- again. You know, we're talking with Jim Balcom uh, with the Manchester Road Race, and, and WTIC will be not only broadcasting our morning show there, Brian and Company, but we'll also be broadcasting the race, and we're proud to do it. I think Fox 61 is doing it on the television side, and it's a great event. And I always sort of lump this in with the Falmouth Road Race. It's when regular schleps like me can run a race and get cheered on like, you know, because I'm not running the marathon, right? I'm not running Boston or New York. So it's an opportunity for people to, like, feel – like a big deal, even if you're running ten minute miles, and I think that's sort of what's special about a race like that. It it, it, it is. You're you're really summarizing the exact feeling that people have of running in the Manchester Road Race. Uh, you know, the 
you're running with the Tiger Woods uh, of of running. Uh, we have some of the absolute best runners, male and female runners in the world, uh, coming to the race this year. Um, but it, what's important to me uh, and, and to everyone on the Manchester Road Race Committee is we are really excited about the very first person who crosses the finish line. But we have the same amount of enthusiasm and respect for the last person who crosses our finish line, which frequently is in the two-hour range. Uh, in, in my view of the world, that person with the abilities and skills that they have, they've climbed their mountain uh, just as the very first person who crosses our finish line. So all 10,000-plus participants of the Manchester Road Race, everyone in my view of the world, is just as important. It's going to be like 40. I mean, I'm in bad running shape. It's going to be like 45 <laughs> minutes for me. But we just heard that at the spot where you're going to finish the race, people will still be cheering just as loud. Well, so. no, all, all he said is that Jim would be there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, and we really, it, it's a tradition that we have. We meet the last person who crosses the finish line and we we cheer and shout for them, and we shake their hands and congratulate them. But there's also a hidden agenda to that is that we want that last person to get across the finish line so that we, in turn, can go home and celebrate our Thanksgiving Absolutely. also. Listen, I encourage people to go to ManchesterRoadRace.com. And register for the race. I, I did it for the first time last year, and I absolutely loved it. And anyone who doesn't believe in the turkey trot, I'm a huge believer. And get a sweat in, and then do whatever you want. And so, amen. It, it's the exactly. Yeah, uh, Jim. Thanks so much. And again, uh, four point seven four eight miles. And be ready at ten a.m. sharp. You can go to ManchesterRoadRace.com. A lot of the money goes to charity. It's a great event. And uh, I think we'll see you at the luncheon tomorrow. I'll I'll be there. All right. I look forward to seeing you. Jim Balcom with the Manchester Road Race. In Connecticut, if you want to protect the things that are great, you got to go. That's what I say about the yard goats or, you know, whatever it is. If if you want good things, you got to support it. The difference between the Manchester Road Race and the yard goats, though, is that the yard goats game doesn't finish on an uphill climb while I'm running. (laughs) Are you gonna? Do you run? No, okay. uh, not, not, not voluntarily. <laughs> yeah, right. um, no, I don't. Although I've been to the Manchester Road Race to cheer on the runners, it's a great event, uh, and it's certainly worthy of uh, supporting. Yeah, I mean, I just I love that stuff, and I'm I'm a terrible runner. Uh, Chris Vanderhuff, uh, Penn Lincoln Strategies. You know, listen, you got you got two beautiful young kids. Good business. You're hanging here in the morning. I mean, it's great. It was great to catch up, and and I honestly mean, once we get into session. If you get the time, come back and let's talk a little bit more politics and, and, and you can give our listeners a little bit of the lay of the land. Absolutely love to, Brian. It's good to see you and I appreciate you having me. Yes, good to have you. And of course, Matt, thank you as always. It's nine o'clock. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.